Welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with a native of St. Petersburg, Florida, currently living and working in the Atlanta area. They possess a MFA from the Tyler School of Art, a BA from Florida A&M University. They're also a painter, printmaker, muralist. And the quote, art is my activism. Please welcome Tracy Mims. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. I'm glad to meet you and glad to be able to participate and share a little bit about myself and my artwork uh, with you. Absolutely. And I see uh, this is this is does not benefit anyone um, that's listening to this, but I see some of your great artwork in the background. So thank you for this visual aid. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm sitting in my studio, it's my little workspace where I come to kind of escape and get away from everything yeah so I, I like to start off with sort of this introductory question that you know a lot of people are like i'm terrified to talk about myself or a lot of people say look the whole podcast could be about me so, so let's let's you know start off by like introducing yourself your 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 work and you know maybe that first art experience you've had okay sure um well, um, like you stated, I, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg. I'm the second oldest of six children. And um, my, my earliest experience that I can recall um, being exposed to art and having the thought pop into my mind that I was going to create art or be an artist, uh, my father had just returned from Vietnam and, and my sister and I, um, were the oldest at that time, and he drew a picture of my sister. I remember my father was a, a, a very skilled draftsman. He was very good at it. And it was beautiful, and I looked at him. I was about four, and I said, okay, are you ready to do my portrait now? And he said, no, I'm kind of tired right now. I'll do it later. And I looked at him, and, I, and with confidence, I said, well, forget you, man. I will do my own. <laughs> And, you know, as they say, that's history. And from then on, you know, I, I recall um, in grade school, you know, I started out drawing on animals. Then by middle school, I had progressed to drawing pictures of my friends, you know, with great likeness. And so, um, but growing up, I, I remember in high school being very active in sports and things of that nature. Um, at one point, I wanted to be a fashion model. I was going to be the next Iman and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, then I was going to be an architect, um, you know, but a visual artist, no, because I wanted to have money. And I always um, believed in, you know, that stereotype of the starving artist. And that was not going to be me. And so when I um, enrolled in school uh, at Florida A&M, I, I went to Florida A&M on a, a basketball scholarship. And um, I, I listed my major as architecture. And, but, uh, you know, I was required to take an elective. Mm -hmm. And so I took a drawing class as an elective. And my drawing teacher, Ken Falana, um, looked at my drawing and he said, uh, what's your major? And I told him it was architecture. And he said, oh, you're an artist. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, like that. Um, but I, you know, I didn't think about it until, you know, I kept, you know, taking the drawing class. Um, when I got around junior year, when it was time to apply to upper division <laughs> uh, in architecture, you know, um, and I was in this class called Calculus for Architects. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know that class broke me <laughs> it really broke me and so i changed my major at that time um and then you know i became a full-time art major after that point thank you thank you for um for for walking us through some of those uh those early points and ultimately how you you got into to art uh yeah, I, I had one of those things when I was a kid. I wanted to uh, be a comic book artist and, you know, always drawing, always like, all right, I'm going to draw the X-Men this time and I'm going to draw these people and I'm going to make my own comic book. And I just remember, and I've told this story a few times before where, you know, I was a smart kid and I would like know that I could kind of like go halfway and get a B. And it would mm-hmm. give me half enough. It would give me like 20 minutes of unbothered drawing time. Right. And I started getting into so much trouble. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just like, I think your son is just, he can't focus. It's like, no, he's focused on drawing. That's what it is. Right. And, right. And, and, and eventually you get the starving artist thing and you're not going to go anywhere with it. And these are the things that we're told. And I mm-hmm. think ultimately you don't sell off that sort of part, that sort of interest you might have you come back to it, it might be in a different way. And, you know, even in some of those other interests you touched on, you know, architecture, modeling, or what have you, there's an awfulness that's there connected to those. So I think there was a bit of destiny that was there. You were just right. around it. Yeah. It's like a calling. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. So I've read that your art addresses uh, subjects related to the Black identity through the use of symbolic imagery, uh, cultural allegory, and, and social realism. Uh, what is there like a, a theme within that sort of larger story that you often return to? I would say perception, um, for one, because um, I, I've been in situations personally, some of it comes from personal experience, you know, what's going on in society. And I think a lot of the things uh, that Black people deal with is in a lot of ways related to perception. You know, how people see us, how 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 they think we are um, not seeing our humanity, you know, seeing as as something other, yeah. you know, and so a, a lot of a lot of my work uh, addresses, you know, those type situations. I find myself going back to that, even even when I'm not trying to, you know, sometimes I just want to do something that's just, you know, so spiritually beautiful. Um, and things of that nature, but my conscience won't let me, you know, it it, it takes me back to that place. Um, And a lot of it also um, deals deals with, it it, it ties into uh, a generational uh, struggle, if you will, uh, goes back to history a lot, you know, and that, you know, kind of can be tied into um, my upbringing, you know, um, how I was raised, um, what environment I lived in, um, things of that, you know, the things I witnessed growing up, the struggles my ancestors had, uh, and and just historically the Black experience. Um, uh, I, would, I would say not, not only here, but all over the world, really. Yeah. That that makes sense. That makes sense to mm-hmm. me. So 
as we kind of talk about the themes that go into the work, we want to talk about the process a little bit. So could you walk us through, you know, what your process is? Like, how do you decide on a specific concept or an idea within your work? And I know you said you were kind of like pulled back at at times, like I'm coming back to it. So, So tell me how like that process works from like conception to completion. Okay, so um, I'm a thinker. Uh, I'm a dreamer. So a lot of it just comes from things I'm thinking about. I write everything down. I'm meticulous about that, even though I'm unorganized in in it. Um, I keep about seven sketchbooks. There's always a sketchbook uh, somewhere in my room, my car, you know, kitchen table, my studio. I have about seven sketchbooks. And I write everything down. So I might hear something. I might have a deja vu about something. I might hear a song. And it just, I see images. Um, Something might be going on socially. I see images. And I'll write those things down. I might hear hear a a poem or a rap song or something. And I'm going to write that down and come back to it later. A lot of times I have titles before I have images. Mm. You know, so I, I kind of work vice versa. Sometimes it's an image. I might see uh, something when I'm out in public. I might take a picture of something or someone. Um, or there's that, that phrase or that statement, that word, that, that song. There's something that sticks out to me, and I'm going to write it down. And I'm, I'm going to come back to it later, or it might be in a bit. I'm going to research it. You yeah. know, I, that's, that's just how I am. I, I I really think about um, what I'm doing, you know, before before I complete it. I like that. I, I, I think hearing about how one goes through their process and, you know, on occasions I'll talk with different artists and they'll talk about like, I listen to interviews from chefs for sake of argument, somebody that does it very <laughs> yeah. different, right? And it's like, I take something from that process that helps them in their, like, their, their way of thinking or the thinking that goes into their work. Uh, I am looking at a painting that I did maybe six years ago that's in my studio, and I know exactly what I was doing at the time. I was listening mm-hmm. to a Tribe Called Quest song because the colors right. are very much that. Or this other painting that I had that was about my brother, and it's literally right you know that was that time it sets that stage Mm -hmm. it's a time capsule are there any specific techniques or methods that you use within your like artistic process like and you know like i'm doing this and i may do it very differently than other podcasters or what have you so Mm -hmm. within your process what sort of unique techniques or methods do you utilize well, it depends on what I'm doing. In my painting, you know, I'm, I'm kind of very meticulous, you know, um, regardless of what I'm doing. Um, my drawing right now, I'm doing a lot of charcoal drawing where I um, I cover the whole sheet. It's just black when I start. And then I just kind of rub away the layers or sand it away and then um, make it a, a very smooth velvety tone. And then I start putting my drawing on and so most people draw additive first mm-hmm. like they're going to add lines then they're going to add I do subtractive so I start with a whole black surface and then I take my eraser and I I take the light out you know I map out the light and then I develop the form that way 
So kind of in reverse. Um, as far as painting goes, um, I'm very not so much traditional in subject matter, but traditional in execution. And so I, I, I'm, I'm one of those parents, and my students hated me for this when I was teaching. <laughs> I know they did. Uh, um, I'm underpainting, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going through all those steps. I'm glazing. I'm building up those layers, you know, and uh, until I, you know, I still feel like my painting is not where I want it to be, you know. And, and other people can look at your work and say, you know, what they say, but I, I, I know. And yeah. I, I, you know, I know what I'm capable of loving. So I, I feel like it's still a work in process, but I'm, I'm, I'm very traditional when it comes to painting. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, I, I had an interview yesterday and uh, the artist was talking about, and you know, and I liked that you kind of touched on it a little bit there. Like people could say what they want, but you know, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what he was saying. It's like, I'm very selfish. He's like, it's about what I want. It's about what I know when I'm doing my work. And right. I kind of feel the, the same thing when I'm doing this, like I'm coming up mm -hmm. as we're recording this. Um, this is probably 500 interviews or so. And right. he's like, oh my God, it's so great. And so on. I was like, yeah, I, I could have did this question differently in this interview. I'm thinking through each one. And it's like, I know I could do a better one. I know I could do the perfect interview. Right. Yeah. And so recently in the last few years, I've been doing um, murals. Yeah. And so that's kind of influenced the way that I do painting as well. So, now I might uh, spray paint, you know, include spray paint um, with my acrylic paint or oil paint, whatever I'm using. I might, you know, there might be some, you know, some spray paint in there somewhere, you know, but you you wouldn't know it, but uh, it's there. Oh, yeah. you're, you're hiding in there. I, I like this. I like yeah. this. <laughs> so when we're working on like things that may have sort of um, an emotional tone to it, we're, we're all like, we're sensitive. We're, we're sensitive. If people tell me, oh, that was a bad episode. I'm like, how dare you? You know? So when we're working on our stuff, um, we, we have to do these breaks. I'm told over and over, you got to take a break. You got to, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to burn yourself out. I'm like, what's mm -hmm. burn out? I'm, I'm, I'm already cooked. I'm completely burnt. It's all done. How, right. do you, how do you do sort of, I guess, regenerative practices that help you overcome that creative burnout? Well, I don't have creative burnout because I always have ideas. I have ideas that I will, I, I have ideas that I will never catch up to probably in my lifetime, but I run out of time. Like mm. I don't have enough time. Um, I feel like daily, I, every day I go to bed wishing I had more time, yeah. <laughs> you know, to do what I needed to do or to make this or to do that. I feel that way every single day. And I think part of that is if something is your passion, you don't really feel burnout. Mm -hmm. That's that's just my take on it. I don't feel burnout when it comes to art. I might need a physical break. You know, I might need to take a nap every now and then. <laughs> um, but that's the thing that I would much rather be doing than anything else, you know. And it, 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 it could be like, you know, how the old folks would say like in church oh it's like far shut up in my bones you know <laughs> like you know that's 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 kind of um that's just uh, what's driving me right now it's it's just like i'm i'm driven mm -hmm. um and i can't i can't slow it down you know 
And I used to be that person where I would take breaks. I would take a year between shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't do anything. I would just, you know, kind of. And now I wish I had all that time back, you know. But I don't. I think that now I have more of a sense of urgency. I have a, a, a more of a um, a why, you know. I have a cause. I have a reason. I have to. I feel like I I, I have to do this. I have something to say, and um, I, I must get this work out. So that you know, that's how I am about it now. I don't. I don't get tired. I like that. You know, not 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 mentally, physically. I don't, but mentally, no. Mm-hmm. I like when we, I, I think a lot of us are between why and how. Mm-hmm. And I think once you find that why, that's the thing that's going to keep you going. It always right. keeps you going. And I'm kind of riding on that same thing. Like this year, mm-hmm. as we're recording this, I've probably done 300 interviews. Right. And they're like, how are you doing this? I was like, I don't care about that part. It, the right. why is important. I think right. being able to connect with folks like your, yourself, that's part of my why. Exactly. So I read that arts can play a powerful role in, in raising awareness and fostering understanding and empathy across um, issues around bias and injustice. What is your take on that? How do, how are arts used as a tool for activism? Uh, art is art is a very powerful tool. I think that uh, in ways uh, the art or visual arts is uh, more powerful, more powerful than words because art is universal. Yeah. We might not speak the same lang- same language, but we can look at an image and we might feel some commonality. And you know, one one example of that, I think a very good example of that, I I don't know if you remember uh, the Obama campaign, um, the Hope poster by Shepard Ferry. Mm -hmm. And I I honestly believe that poster had a great, some influence on the outcome, you know, because it was such a powerful image. It was such a powerful image. And I do recall that and, and the images of George Floyd, yeah. you know, in the aftermath of uh, that incident, I, you know, I saw some very extremely powerful artwork surrounding that as well. So there, there's nothing like it's like when you, you watch a movie, you know, that the emotion is there, you know, uh, I, I think there's there's really nothing like it, you know, when we think about in terms of. Um, impact and visual power um, than than art. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for that. I, and I agree with you. Um, I think seeing some of these these striking images, those are the things that stay with you. And when you look back at that sort of Obama hope campaign, just a mm-hmm. four letter word that can be easily translated, but the image is the thing that's going to stay. It, it became iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think about some posters from the 70s that became iconic, you know, images. Um, so, yeah, very powerful. It's it's like it's like the branding thing. You know, when you yeah. see like the Nike swoosh, you're like, I'm, I need to be right. athletic or exactly. the obey giant, you know, whatever it is, is mm-hmm. going to elicit a response. So and that's transferable. Right. right. And I, I read that and I only got two more here. Um, I read that that creativity in children is great because it hasn't been affected by like critique, comparison, ego, they create to create as adults. 
the older we get, we're being told no more or that's stupid or whatever. How do you tap back in and reconnect to some of that sort of childlike creativity? Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to do that when you, um, when you kind of try to brand yourself, you kind of put yourself in a box, you know, and that's the art world that does that. Uh, you know, they want you to be that, that one cohesive unit, that recognizable imagery, and it doesn't allow, you know, you to play, so to speak. Um, but I still do like a child, um, the most difficult thing as an artist for me was to overcome that urge to just play around and do different things all over the place. Like I love things that are uh, tactile, texture, working with my hands, doing all these different things, um, which kind of goes against um, the grain. And, and you're thinking like, oh, how can I combine all this into one? Um, yeah, but I totally get that. And, and, and it's, it's difficult. And to, in order to, to, to tap back into, you just kind of have to um, create for yourself. You know, uh, we're taught to create for a market. We're supposed to look for a target market and, and do all these different things. But if you're truly um, creating for personal gratification, then I think that becomes easy. If you're creating to, to make a living and sell work, then, you know, you might... Uh, <laughs> You you might you might think twice about that, but um, I, I think at the end of the day, most artists are kind of a combination of, you know, kind of a combination. I I, w- I would say I might be a combination of that. Yeah, because I, I kind of always rebel against you know systems and people telling me what I can and can't do. Oh, we we like rebels here. We like rebels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so this is this is the last one I got for you, and it I think it's you know it definitely connects to that previous question. So mm-hmm. I, read, I read that comparison kills creativity. That's alliterative. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you agree with that? How do you kind of combat you know because you touched on those boxes, right? Like this is how we're marketed. This is how we're branded. And, yes. And, and what are some of the other like behaviors that artists engage in that kind of hinder creativity? I, I, I think that artists. Some artists, and I see this a lot on social media, artists follow trends. You know, um, I try to stay away from that. You know, um, a lot of artists follow trends, you know, just to try to get uh, on what's popular. I think consistency is what's important instead of following, you know, um, the current trend. And and it's more important to kind of be yourself and have your own voice than somebody else's voice. You know, if um, like when uh, Kehinde Wiley got really big, um, I noticed a lot of artists started doing work that looked, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, you know, but there's already one of him, you know, so I think I think artists hurt themselves by doing that because that's his voice. That's not your voice. And um, the first thing people are going to say, if, if, if I'm the prototype, um, well, you're doing work like the prototype, your work looks like they're going to compare you to that person yeah. because you set yourself up for that by doing work that looks like, like that. So, um, I think, I think 
those are behaviors that kill creativity because you deny yourself the opportunity to develop your own voice by channeling or following somebody else's voice you know um so that's that's just my take on it and um you know people will say oh picasso said uh good artists copy great artists steal no you know (laughs) so um but i you know i i have influences i'm influenced by you know some great artists in history you know if you if you look at my work you probably could tell i'm influenced by some people but um i try to do it do that within my own creativity in my own voice and, and you know because that kind of uh, some of the the joy of art is being able to create um something and to do what you do what you like do what you want to do do it in a creative way even if even in realism like some people say well you're doing realism yeah but i can challenge myself um to to take it to up a notch you know or to there there are ways that i can challenge myself to do that um, creatively through process um, and technique and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I like when folks take from maybe an artist or, or something that they're influenced by, but, you know, trying to make that sort of replication and then ultimately putting their own skills, their own experiences in there to make it their own, you know, right. we all have a certain starting point. And, right. you know, that's that's what I take out of that because, you know, in podcasting, everyone wants to do the same thing and you see some of the really bad ones that come off Mm -hmm. as corny and it's like you are biting off of someone else and you sell a part of what makes you unique what makes that voice sort of unique whatever the medium may be and i think when people realize that and just try to do their own thing that's where the actual interesting work is happening and that's the stuff that you're truly doing it for yourself sort of an audience of one and then other people that are supposed to connect to you will connect to you Right. Right. So I agree. So with that, and, and thank you for, for all of this. This is this has been great. We like like I said, we love rebels here. Um <laughs> so with that, I want to dive into a couple rapid fire questions. Um okay. they're fun. Um but they're ridiculous. So uh let's see. Mm. So you're based in Atlanta. Where is your favorite place to get a meal in Atlanta? My favorite place to get a meal. Ooh. That's hard. Or your favorite thing? To, what's your favorite thing to eat down there then? Uh, I, I must say Slutty Vegan. Okay, a little Baltimore connection there. I dig it. Yeah. Now, my favorite spot is Cat's Cafe, like just to go out. Yeah. Cat's Cafe. I don't know if you've heard of They have open mic and stuff like that. And it's, it's it has an old jazzy feeling, like a, a juke joint kind of feel to it. Yeah. I really enjoy that one. I'm planning on my itinerary, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, Cat's Cafe, K A T S, very nice. Got it. Um, so let's see. Uh, well, you mentioned this earlier, um, so I definitely wanted to tap back on it. So, starting tomorrow, days are now 25 hours instead of 24. What do you do with the extra hour? <laughs> I'm an extra hour of painting. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I got more work to do. I got so many ideas I got to get out. <laughs> yes, I'm so angry. Like most people want to go. Like I, I want to go to sleep. You know, most people want to go to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep, but I have to go to sleep. Right. That's how I feel about it. What is a color 
What no, okay. What are three colors that you're always using? Always using uh blue. Um I'm looking at my work. <laughs> uh gold and red. Okay. Red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed um I see a lot of like earrings and sort of iconography in your work or what have you. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite type of earring that you like to wear? Yes, the um, I, I I like to do uh, handmade things that are you know unique that might have some type of uh, symbolism. Okay. You know, so I've seen, I I've seen a few pictures. Way. I've seen a few pictures. Yeah. You may have sent me one. <laughs> right. So this yeah. is the last one. This is the last one I got for you, and this is um, finishing this sentence. The black woman is. God. That was a little softball for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it for the interview. And um, again, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners where they can check your workout, whether it's on social media, website, what have you. The floor is yours. Okay. So on Instagram at Tracy underscore Mims Artist. Um, you can find me on Sachi Art um, on the on the internet. Um, that's where I mainly um, post artwork for sale when it's available through Sachi Art. On Twitter at Tracy Mims. On Facebook, same my name. I use my name on all platforms. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Tracy Mims for coming on to the podcast. Uh, this has been a great conversation and. Um, and for Tracy Mims, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, community, culture, in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.